Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. Hey, everyone. This is Jamie. Um, I wanted to, before I get into this episode a little bit, wanted to mention our website for our podcast. It is adversity to abundance.com adversity to abundance.com and the two is the number two um go there head over there check it out we love feedback on the podcast we love input on guest suggestions topic suggestions etc so please please check that out um and as always please like share subscribe etc um for today's episode we chat with craig thayer he's a a trauma surgeon. So it's a little different than a typical episode we, we do. Um, he's not an entrepreneur per se, but he's got a lot of experience and some, some, he's definitely dealt with a lot of adversity in his life, uh, for sure. So he's got, brings a lot of leadership principles and a lot of experience to the table and to the conversation that you can pull away from this episode. Um, he's just a good person who's, uh, out there, you know, as a force for good in the world and serving others. He's, um, we get into how he was adopted and, um, you know, the, the early deaths of his parents, uh, while Craig was in college and he went through some, uh, health related issues himself for sure. Um, in, including a, a skull fracture, a twisted intestine, um, just all kinds of things that he's, he's been through. Um, but this, you know, Craig is just, uh, you can tell he's just a, a giver, you know, he's just a good person. He's a high level leader, motivational speaker, co-host of a radio show. Um, he, and he's here to, to share his stories of hope and inspiration and belonging. So, um, you know, we certainly need more people like Craig in the world. So I know you're going to love this one. Investors, have you ever felt frustrated by your loan servicer, experienced challenging communication, or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S dot com. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people 
who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. A life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm thrilled today to have with us Craig Thayer, who is a trauma surgeon, Dr. Craig Thayer. Uh, Craig, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. No, I'm thrilled to have you on. Um, we were chatting beforehand, and I'm I'm really excited to dive into your, your story here. Um, for the listener out there, tell us kind of where you're coming from and, and what you're up to today. Uh, well, as you mentioned, I'm a trauma surgeon. So uh, add to that, it's really a general surgeon that focuses trauma. But old school, I'm trained from head to toe. So it's uh, if you've been shot in the chest and there's a hole in your heart, I can put a finger in it and get it closed. If you've got a bad gallbladder or hernia or breast cancer or um, have had a stroke from carotid disease, I can I can clean that out. So um, different than uh, people are trained now. So, and in transition, I was in California for, for, I mean, I was born and raised there. And then, uh, about a year and a half or so ago, moved to Georgia Northwest. So we're about five miles from the Tennessee border. Okay. And just waiting to get licensed in Georgia to begin that again. But in the interim, I got to be there for my grandmother's death. And, uh, she wanted me to write a book, which I did do, uh, called Saved. So, um, that gave me the chance. It was a blessing. Yeah. I mean, there's always, uh, an opportunity behind every, uh, every, every problem, right. Or, um, so sounds like you, uh, in the interim, while you've been waiting, you took, uh, took advantage of that downtime to create a book that, um, I can't, I can't wait to, to read myself called saved. It sounds like it's, it looks like it's very, uh, inspirational. So I can't wait to dive into your story and learn well, more you. about what in what what went into the book um so speak to to us about let's jump back i mean um you know i i know you're uh an inspirational speaker and a, a radio show co-host and motivational speaker so i know there's something something under all that something, yeah <laughs> something that drives all of that so let's jump back um you know we can start at your birth i mean because i know that was uh a little bit uh, different than yeah, I get. There's, I a, there's that, a story there. There's yeah. a story there. So let's uh, so, let's jump back there. So I always knew I was adopted, and uh, my wife Stephanie was always interested in why my my eyes look the way they do, and my personality, and those things. And so she wanted to do the research on uh, finding my natural parents. And so uh, in the process of doing that, she found them. So. Uh, my natural mom lived in Michigan. She was pregnant, uh, Catholic in faith, starting to show at six months, and she would have been shunned by the church. So she moved to California, Monterey, and had me, then had me for 10 days. I mean, I can't imagine the courage she hmm. had to actually hold me, take care of me for those 10 days, and then hand me to an orphan. 
back then there wasn't foster homes. So it was uh, an orphan age like place that you would go to. And I was adopted nine months later. So, you know, I go on medical mission trips and I hear other people give testimonies of their faith and such. And, and I would have always begun that, well, I was adopted by an Irish Catholic. She was born in Ireland and, and completely all into Catholicism and part of the adoption requirement was that I be raised that way. So got through confirmation and, uh, yeah. So, um, what now just looking back at that piece that you've shared thus far, I mean, what, what's, what's kind of a one or two takeaways from that? Any lessons learned from, I mean, I know, yeah, you, don't, I mean, you don't remember all of that per se, but looking back now, what, what have you gained from that experience? One, I, I could have never existed and done the things I've gotten to do in my life, but the bigger picture was, you know, I do all these surgeries on the, these mission trips, but the biggest purpose, I think, was standing in front of 60 kids in an orphanage in Honduras and asked by Ricardo, uh, who's a native Honduran, you know, Craig, can you stand in front of these kids and tell them about your life and hope? And uh, and I got on a knee and started. To, luckily, I was out in front of about 30, 30 people from our church and started to cry and i'm like yeah look i was an orphan like you hmm. and look what i became sure yeah that's and you you can do that you have to sure. have a passion but you can do it that's uh, i think that's yeah. probably the biggest thing i've learned from from that but uh, i've learned other things i mean malcolm gladwell one of his seven books talks about a study out of colorado of nature versus nurture and mm -hmm. you know it, i'm more like it's interesting i always felt like i was like my parents who i grew up with but mm -hmm. behavioral wise i'm more like someone off the street than i am the people who adopted mm -hmm. me and i'm interesting obviously more like my natural family mm -hmm. who i've met so it's it's interesting to go okay i'm like these people in their blood so yeah, yeah. it's wild i know uh we're learning more and more you know, every every day, every month, every year, as far as uh, genetics and and all the testing you can do yeah. nowadays versus 10, yeah. 15 years ago. But on the flip side, we're really only scratching the surface. Right. Um, so yeah, it's pretty. I don't know if that nurture versus nature debate's ever going to be you know solved per se, right. but uh, <laughs> that but, is yeah. fascinating. So okay, so walk us through kind of your you know from the from childhood up until yeah, so i think that the childhood um i always gave my dad the credit because he was so logical and and you know didn't get angry and my mom was had an irish temper but <laughs> i really she was the sounding board i'd argue with her to wit's end and probably take the opposite side the next week just to argue and <laughs> so then i'd get my hour and a half lecture from my dad about body language and language and tone and all that stuff <laughs> and so i but it created an empath and to add to that my mom was an alcoholic mm -hmm. and when i was about 11 we were getting back from going somewhere my, it was my sister and i and my dad and my dad opened the door and i could see through the door and there she was which is in the book but in an awkward position uh, asleep on the ground with mm -hmm. not a lot of clothes on and I saw that my sister didn't see it, but then after mm -hmm. that, we realized she was an alcoholic and I went to my first AA meeting. So 
I got mm. to listen to people, you know, my name's John and I am an alcoholic and this is my story. So oh, wow. I think that had a huge impact on me being an empath, which, uh, you know, it was demonstrated when I went on a water polo team trip to Hawaii in high school. And another son on Ticey, a friend of mine and I were on a bus with a dad that was drunk and crying mm-hmm. and had his, his wallet open to his two kids. And we just had a, a chit chat with him and stayed with him. He got off the bus with us. And then a cop came by and said, don't give him any money. He's just going to spend it on. But we mm-hmm. still did. And and who mm-hmm. knows what the ripple of that was, right? So mm-hmm. from so, from painful things, there's purpose. Sure. Absolutely. So, and for more context about how old were you when you uh when when your mother was on the on the floor 11 yeah 11 10, okay little, between 10 and 11 yeah gotcha so you know i imagine that was obviously pretty impactful for you um right okay so and then you went to aa meetings later you're saying is that right I, with her i would go to the with AA her, meetings. you would so, go yeah Got 11, it. 12 i was going to AA meetings just to see Wow. I, she brought me along and then I could see what people's pains were and what they were doing. And then I think my next big event in life was my junior year, like the last week before finals. I ate a bunch of lasagna that my mom made and drank some milk and that makes your intestines sometimes twist. And so all night long I was thrown up on the bath- bathroom floor and the second story above. And then they found me on the floor in the morning. And then next thing I know, I'm in the pediatric uh, office and then ER and then NG2 by a really cute little nurse down my nose and into my stomach and <laughs> I just man up and not admit that this was <laughs> horrible and and then off to the operating room. So they found that that the intestine was twisted and twisted it took my appendix out and and then uh, my coach thought I was just cutting practice and was like worse there he's and someone my one of my best friend Andy was on on the same court as me, so he knew I was in the hospital. Said, "Oh, he's in the hospital." And like my coach was like, "Yeah, right." But uh, then he found out it was true. So I think that was the first time I got to be what I call the dark side, right? So I, I got to experience what patients got to experience, mm. and I always felt like that just made me a better doctor. Sure. So and and that was that was that from. Was, um, go ahead. That was junior year, and that was from uh, from eating bad lasagna. Yeah, from eating eating a whole bunch, like probably two pounds of lasagna, and now okay. weight dependent. It just allowed the intestine to twist. I see. It sounds like your coach needed to be a bit more of an empath as well, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he had a temper as well. Yeah, I was uh, recently talking about that with my father. Looking back on some of the coaches I had and. My uh, lacrosse career was like, yeah, I had a lot of uh, screamers. <laughs> yeah, no, I've heard that about you. So you're like <laughs> like water polo, but we can't go around the goal. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. You're well, on land. Like, yeah, yeah, on plus, land. We, yeah, yeah. Well, America, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a fun time. We my big lacrosse family that I come from, but but yeah, it's um, I think not saying there aren't any hard coaches anymore, but you know, it seems like back, you know. Back in the day, that yelling and screaming was a little more acceptable and yeah, uh, more of the yeah. kind of this this the norm per se. But okay, so what happens? Um, walk us through, you know, after after high school. Um, so yeah, after high school, freshman year in college, uh, in the dark of night, the phone rings, and uh, my roommate—it's just a two-room suite 
our dorm room and uh i can just tell something was was serious because there was one word answers and then he he says it's for you craig and so i walk over and it was my dad and uh i just remember <clears throat> you know the words i don't know how i tell you this i don't know how i tell you this but your mom passed away <laughs> and uh just getting home uh to my dad um and seeing what he was going through and then the guilt because he would get up the routine was he would get up make the coffee put the coffee on our nightstand he'd take a shower he just noticed that something was worried when he was thinking about it in the shower that she didn't immediately wake up and she would read a book and read, drink her coffee mm -hmm. and then he came out and sure enough she wasn't breathing right called 911 and mm. she was pulseless, did CPR. And I can't imagine the trauma that he went through. And I know he said it. He said, you know, I, I should have recognized that earlier. I'm like, Dad, mm. you're not a doc. You don't know how to do these things. You, someone sure. told you how to do CPR over the phone. So, Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I can, you know, yeah, I can, I can see both sides. Of it, meaning, um, certainly, if, you know, I wouldn't blame <laughs> your dad. But if I'm him, I can understand, you know, blaming myself yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I imagine that was very traumatic for the whole, for the whole family. So, right. um, and this was in, this was in college for you. That was is, freshman year. Um, yeah. Not, not at the end. It was like probably the, it was just after, well, actually it was three days after Mother's Day. Oh, so wow. it would be about this time of year. So May 16th. And, and uh and I don't want to yeah, be, you know, we don't want to, I don't want to drill down too much and, you know, but I, are we saying that, that it was alcohol related to death or? No, or, she hadn't been drinking uh, for eight years at that point. Okay. So gotcha. She's Irish. She had a strong family history of cardiac disease mm. and she smoked. I see. So she had unhealthy, un, unhealthy habits mm -hmm. that, um, yeah, that, that, it wouldn't have prevented this, but it would have delayed it if she would have stopped smoking. Gotcha. And been healthier, exercising and nutritional sure. and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, okay. And, and unfortunately I say this often, but we end up glossing over, you know, kind of moving right along. Yeah. Um, but so what happens in your life after freshman year of college? So, then? so sophomore year, I'm in an off-campus storm, and I'm coming back from a bacteriology lab, and I come around a corner on my 10-speed bike, and some girl pulls out in front of me. Now, granted, I'm on the wrong side of the road, so it's my fault, but I jackknifed my wheel and, and broke at the same time to not hit her. Did not hit her, but I went straight over the handlebars and hit my left side of my head and lacerated my ear. So I walk over, ask her if she's okay, yes. And then the next thing I remember is sitting there with an ambulance in front of me. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got knocked out. They take me in. They stitch my ear. They they send me home, back to the dorm. That night, I can't hear out of the ear. There's fluid coming out of it. I call the, the health center again, and it's some grad student. I'm like, is this normal? And he goes, I don't know. Do you think it is? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so, <Wow>. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I get an appointment after my bacteriology midterm which was at 3.30 to 4.30, go over there, they x-ray my head, and I've got a skull fracture with wow. spinal fluid coming out of my ear. So I get admitted for two weeks of a 10-week quarter. So quarters move quick. 
I've got organic chemistry, bacteriology, physics, biochem, biochem lab. I had like 18 units and I dropped two. And again, I was told like, when my mom died, you'll never finish. And I did. I got done with mm. that year. And nice. didn't didn't want to fall out of sync because if you take your 128A, if you want to get through in four years, you got to be in series. So mm. you got to be A, first quarter, mm-hmm. B, second quarter, C, third yeah. quarter. And I, if I would have had to move everything, I would have never finished in four years. Mm. And so... And so at this point in in college, what's your, what's your game plan for, for your life? Yeah, I knew junior year in high school, Mr. Kalika was an anatomy physiology teacher that the human body was so incredible that I needed to go into medicine. I already knew I liked to help people. I was tutoring blind students in geometry, which is a challenge (laughs) because they can't see (laughs) and you're teaching them geometry, circles and (laughs) spheres and (laughs) sure. Yeah. So I got to think like them. And then uh, and then I knew using my hands, it just so surgery. But then I was cocky, wanted to be a cardiac surgeon or a neurosurgeon because they seem like they're the top dogs. Yeah. And that changed in med school. And I've the more challenging mentally was general surgery and trauma. So, um, so I knew. I knew junior year in high school, that's what I wanted to do. So I was already passionate and devoted and got to get through this biochem major. So I was learning the body at a cellular level, actually mm-hmm. even below a cellular level, at a molecular level. Hmm. And then, um, yeah. And then, I mean, junior year, uh, my dad goes to the ER. He's got fluid all around of his lung and uh, they drain it. It's bloody. And it comes back that he's got a stage four lung cancer. So now he's, I'm, wow. I'm volunteering to go back. Man, the miracle that year was I was in an off-campus storm again. It was a five-person, five one, one, one student in the front, and then two in two rooms in the back. But there was this phone jack, and I don't know how many members or audience members <laughs> remember uh, having to pay for long-distance calls. But mm-hmm. I could plug into this, and I would call my dad every night. And uh, it never appeared on our bill. I mean, I went to the office. I go, is it coming somewhere else? Are you guys getting these hmm. charges to San Jose area? And they're like, no, we're not. So it was like, that's, I was able to call my dad every night for an hour or two free. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Um, that is crazy. So, yeah. and so you're, okay. And so your dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Lung, lung cancer. Right? And then. Uh, so during the summertime, when I got home junior year, he was undergoing chemo and radiation. And, and then, uh, one morning he was screaming from actually the night before I watched him kind of fall on the couch. He stumbled. Mm. That's where he doesn't drink. There's nothing that would Mm. do that. And then by morning he was paralyzed from the waist down. So his, his lung cancer spread to his spine was pitching a spinal cord and he couldn't control his bladder. He peed on himself. And I mean, wow. I basically pulled our Toyota station wagon out and picked him up, carried him to the car. And then I'm, I carried him into the emergency room. I can't imagine the faces of the nurses seeing this 20 mm-hmm. year old kid mm-hmm. carrying his, you know, skinny father from the chemo and the radiation mm-hmm. in. But, uh, and then that's where he stayed for the last month of his life when he passed away. Hmm. Wow. So, okay. So what's going through your mind at this point? Um, you know, you've, you've 
now lost both of your parents who adopted you at a young age. Um, and, um, you're still in college. Are you, you know, are you, are you all alone or what's kind of, what's your mindset at this point? Well, I had a girlfriend, so that, that helped, but, um, and my sister was unfortunately, I, she was in high school with me freshman year and then got in the wrong crowd sophomore year, got into drugs. Uh, some that really messed up her brain. She's now got mm. schizophrenic or mm. schizophrenic and affect disorder, maybe, maybe full schizophrenia, but, and then memory, she's, she's just got this big heart, but, um, it's nervous. She, she can't think as well. Mm-hmm. So that was a struggle. I, I volunteered to come and have you stay with her, but she's like, no. And she disappeared. She was homeless for a while and I couldn't even mm-hmm. find her for a while. So, wow. um, but part of that was, you know, she was there for when I started med school and the teachers, professors said, look, you're going to lose your kids for the next four years. Cause it's, 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 you know, four quarters a year, it's year round. So, and they're going to be devoted to studying and you probably won't get much time with them coming home, et cetera. And so she took that seriously, like, okay, I'm okay disappearing out of my brother's life for a mm. period of time. Mm. But, um, yeah, so I just knew that I, I, I knew my parent, you know, when, when you lose one parent, you lose your, you realize your parents are not immortal. And then when you lose the other one, you realize, Hey, I'm not all that immortal <laughs> either. But mm. the benefit to me was that I knew what I wanted to do. And I don't, yeah. Class of Davis was like 97 students, probably a good 10% of those did it because of other reasons. It wasn't for mm-hmm. them. They're like parents were driving them or mm-hmm. family or something. And they questioned what they were doing. And I never, uh, luckily I just never had that yeah. issue. Because they so were that's gone. actually, that's what I was dr- going to drill down on is, is how did the, your parents, um, deaths, uh, affect your vision for your, or your life or your, um, your why. So it sounds, it sounds like if anything, it just made it stronger. Yeah. And, um, is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I totally, like I, I just said a little bit ago about, you know, all the guys, I was an all male floor freshman year. Oh, he's not going to make it back from his mom's death. He's going to stay mm-hmm. home. And I showed up and finished. And then sophomore year, I still knew all those guys and others because it was uh, now co-ed and, um, but we all moved to the same off-campus dorms. And same thing, he's, you know, he's not going to finish the quarter. He's got a skull fracture. Mm-hmm. Who knows if he can think. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then just my dad was, and it just, I mean, and my dad encouraged me. So when he was alive, it was like, no, you have a purpose. I know this purpose. Mm-hmm. You need to do it. So, but then going through med school, it wasn't necessarily looking back and look, I'm doing it this for you, mom and dad. Mm-hmm. just i knew i i've just known i wanted to do that i love helping people so and sure. it hurts me now today that you know america the world are so ununited and passionate about things to the point that we're arguing instead of like listening to each other etc so sure. yeah absolutely um okay so walk us through from i know it's a a bit of a time period here but from med school up into uh, through today so, um, you know, the, the, cha- the challenges after med school, uh, were, well, to get into residency, you have to interview. So I had one with, uh, Georgetown and, uh, 
I remember sitting on this bench outside like all the students would or or uh, prior interns, I suppose. And uh, they were asking, how are you going to pay for this? And, and this guy leaned forward. I didn't know that until I went in there and knew that when you do that, when you lean forward in your chair, the chair is going to creak. And that's what I heard. So I just heard that noise. And then I heard him say cash, cold hard cash. And then I got in there and I never examined this question before either. It was like, how are you going to pay for for this? And I'm like, uh, I suppose student loans, you know, do the military obligation thing every year. It's two years back. Uh, I'll, I'll just get it done. So, but mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about the finances. And when mm-hmm. and just getting just just getting into Davis was a miracle because I was waitlisted and 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 uh, I thought my friend was calling me to pick him up, and uh, it was Davis calling me. And they, is Craig there? There? And I'm like, oh, just a second. Or actually, I answered at Craig's taxi service, and then I said, <laughs> yeah, he's here. Just a second, same voice. <laughs> no change yeah how what's going on and i got it so <laughs> nice but yeah so um and then just you know the time i i, I inherited my parents home in cupertino and packed that all up and when i was doing it there was a pipe that broke downstairs and when i was at this interview in san francisco for harvard mm-hmm. i drove i just felt a need of going home and sure enough this pipe Mm. We had carpet on top of really beautiful hardwood floors, and the mm. carpet was there, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't crack my head as a boy growing up. And the floor you could see was starting to warp, and so I had called my best friend Andy, and he brought up a dad, and we're like, "We got to rip this carpet out." And I'm sure the neighbors thought he's crazy. <laughs> he's ripping <laughs> right. the carpet out of the house and putting it on the front <laughs> lawn. What's going on over there? <laughs> and so, so yeah, um, and then you know the experience of the insurance covered it and then these guys did a horrible job and we're going to carpet over it thinking mm. we're just going to pull pull the wool over this kid's eyes mm-hmm. but i got back in time to say no you got to fix this but yeah it was a learning experience along the way my sure yeah dad, I mean, you're not you're not ready for any of that right i mean yeah my mom had passed away and left a $25,000 life insurance policy that my dad invested with eight other people as a fourth mortgage on an eight unit apartment complex and mm. I now became an owner of my sister and okay. I became an owner of an eight unit, one of eight uh, owners. Okay. And so we learn about bankruptcy foreclosure stuff and that mm-hmm. we, we put in the price and we got it and kept it for a year and then improved it and sold it and made a bunch of money. So nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there were positive ex- experiences along the way for sure. sure. Yeah. So, so, and then, um, just career wise, and then we'll dive into some of the lessons learned and things, but, um, so what did your career look like kind of looking thus far looking back? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, there were two, I think two events in my life that, um, stirred me away from what I thought I was going to do, which is cardiac and neuro. Mm-hmm. Neuro was just working under a microscope. I mean, it's not just, but, mm-hmm. um, it just wasn't, wasn't as, as what I thought it was. So mm-hmm. in cardiac, I did an acting internship uh, with a big group in Sacramento, and they were great guys. They taught me a lot of stuff, mentored me. They let me sew veins at the foot of the patient that they weren't going to use. And But I realized that, you know, they were very technical, and the, mm-hmm. the thinking part was less so. So, And then the big experience was being at the VA in Martinez, California, and on doing my 12 weeks of internal medicine as a third year medical student. And 
this guy lung cancer bleeds in, in into his lungs and he's drowning mm. and the mm. medicine guys didn't know how to to take care of that they just didn't have the procedural stuff to to do it and i said i i need to do a sport that i can do anything to save someone's life and that was general surgery so mm. um and that's why i went that way and so i mean i was blessed to go to davis for undergrad davis for med school and then davis for residency which was six years and um yeah, I mean, it was just uh, back then. It was there was no eighty-hour work week, so some <laughs> sometimes it was one hundred and sixty hours of mm -hmm. time. You got a fifteen-minute power nap here or there, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and got through stuff. So, but um, I it was just so privileged to be doing that kind of stuff. And I remember when I went to my, I think it was my ten-year reunion. They thought I was dead. <laughs> my classmates from high school thought I was dead. Just because no, you no, had med school, you hadn't had any, is, yeah, no, yeah. no contact, very limited contact yeah. with everyone. Yeah. Gotcha. I see. Um, so you're you're grinding. You put a lot of hours in, and you're you're, but you're helping people in dire situations. I mean, right. um, and I presume doing doing well financially. Um, so, um, and then what led you to uh, making the move to to Georgia? Was that more of a a family type decision? Yeah, or? no, I think, well, ultimately it was a job offer, but um, my wife just wanted to get out of California. It was getting more gotcha. restrictive. The, the mm -hmm. culture was changing. Mm -hmm. uh, the hospital was changing. That was probably the last straw mm -hmm. with negotiating with them. Just, I see. There was a new CEO and the last one was kind of just, you know, senioritis, so to speak. And uh, uh, so it was time. And so uh, we were looking at Tennessee not really mm -hmm. Georgia. And then I'd posted something on my Facebook about uniting America through patriotism and playing mm -hmm. the United States water polo team, mm -hmm. playing Czechoslovakia and Germany and Russia and, and, uh, how uniting that is, you know, we all bleed the same. And, mm -hmm. and so one of, one of my friends who I hadn't spoken to in 40 years, last time I saw him was at end of middle school. He lived on my court. Then his family had moved. His dad was a pharmacist. And he swam on the same swim team that I did competitively and then moved to Santa Clara because it was a big name. And then he went to a Jesuit high school and I stayed public and I stayed at De Anza. But we talked about old times and then he asked what I did. And I'm like, he said he may need me. So when I came out there, mm -hmm. uh, I had a job offer in a week and a half. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, I love the uh, sentiment about uniting everyone. I mean, we certainly need to... Need that more than ever right now in this country, yeah. right? Yes, we do. Um, we do. So I do have some uh, rapid fire questions here. Um, okay. And we'll, uh, I know you have some kind of, we'll focus it around uh, leadership if we can, as far as kind of, you know, leadership for CEOs or just leadership in general, because that's yes. another thing we definitely <laughs> need some more of today. Um, so, What's one thing that people misunderstand about you, Craig? Um, that's a good question. I've never had that question asked, so I'm trying to think. Um, they probably don't know where I've come from. They don't. They don't know the story. Mm -hmm. They've just seen uh, when I lead, I lead as a team. Mm -hmm. So you know, you may be a quarterback and you get a lot of notoriety. Uh, notoriety. Sure. But you can't you can't throw the ball without someone catching it. You can't even throw it if no one's blocking for you. You can't 
Yeah. You know, and so that being said, that also gives them skin in the game. And so when they mm. do something that's not perfect, they personally feel bad about it. Not that I have to mm. correct them in any way. They already mm -hmm. know they didn't do that well for the team. So right. I think being a team leader is key. Mm -hmm. Sure. Absolutely. And and you think they uh, a lot of people may see your leadership skills, but not quite understand where that comes from. Is, is yeah, that, yeah. 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 The empathy, the feeling, you know, put myself in sure. their shoes. Sure. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, looking back, what's one of your biggest failures? Maybe not the specific adversity, because we've talked about a lot of adversity that different things that have happened to you. But what's one thing that you may view as a regret or a failure or just something you'd like to have a do over with? Well, I don't know if I necessarily want to do over with, but I would say, you know, getting I had I got married uh during residency, <clears throat> had three children, two girls and then a boy. Great lady. But then I got real sick. Um, it coughed a hole in my heart and uh, a bunch of pus around my lung. And that kind of freaked her out. And so she really wasn't the same after that. And not that that's my excuse, but, and then my dad's dying or my dad, I'm, I, I'm selling my house. My dad already died. She never met my parents, but um, just, I think going through that divorce, if I could mm -hmm. rewound that, it's the worst mm -hmm. financial decision you can ever make in your life because mm -hmm. it divides you equally less than half. So, cause you've got other expenses to pay, but um, yeah, just, and then when you're in the courts for eight years, um, you're always in an adversarial relationship, so you can never heal your wounds. So I think if yeah, I were that's... to do that over, there'd be try to avoid that as much as possible. Sure. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of our listeners can can likely relate to you on some level in that in going through that experience. But yeah. um, now you say you got real sick. What did, was that? What what was that exactly? That was like three colds in a row. Okay. And uh, the fourth one. Uh, taking two weeks off. We, I was, uh, my brother-in-law's wedding was in Sacramento at a big church and I got to get up and talk about one Corinthians and what is love. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> the priest even ribbed me like, because I have a deeper voice and it, it sounded, you know, in the, the acoustics in the church and mm -hmm. it's like, you're not going to replace me, I think is what he said. But, um, <laughs> uh, but then I got real sick down. We went down to Cabo for vacation in Mexico mm -hmm. and I got sicker mm -hmm. and sicker and my shoulders started to hurt and I'm like, we need mm -hmm. to go. So flew back, gotcha. went to, went to my hospital up in Placerville and chest x-ray. I knew, Oh, that's not good. Complete whiteout, probably exactly what my dad would have seen if you looked at his x-ray and then, but I'm fe I have fever. So it's, I know it's some, mm -hmm. some infection of some kind. <clears throat> and then um, they listen to my heart and I've got this murmur that I've never had. So it's like, mm -hmm. okay, do you want us to put a chest tube in you here or we need to ship you down to to Sacramento where the heart guys are because there's a hole mm -hmm. in your heart somewhere doing something. Mm -hmm. It needs to get worked up. So I said, no, don't put it. Someone will pull it out. I guarantee you, physicians, when they're patients, bad <laughs> stuff happens. And yeah, sure enough, they, they it did. So um I go down to sack. They they drain my chest. That was fun because he numb up one spot. No, not good. Numb up that spot. And these are the guys that I worked with when mm -hmm. I was an acting intern uh, in med school with them. So you you and, chose not to take the the fast the immediate action, and you wanted to go 
more to the experts. Wait a little bit and go to the experts. Yeah, Is that yeah. Right? Get the yeah. tube in there. They'll drain all this pus. It was five liters of pus out of my chest. Wow. Felt much better. And then um, they did an angiogram that showed that I'd coughed a hole from my aorta to my right atrium. So there was shunting blood from mm. the oxygenated side back to the venous side, which is not. So mm. I'm wasting. My cardiac output was 15 liters, which is three times normal. Hmm. And uh, I mean, luckily I was still an athlete then playing water polo. So, um, so all then, said and done, what is that? What is this? What does this mean for the the lay person who? <laughs> yeah. So so basically, they they uh, did open heart surgery and closed the hole. Wow. And then they did. They rolled me on my side. They opened my chest. Put got all the pus out of there, and any any residual stuff, and then put a tube in there. I was awake for that part. That's where I'm saying it's like docs wow. always, there's always complications. And then in recovery, the nurses are looking and there's a, a warming blanket that goes on the bed. So you don't lose temp because you lose your body's ability to control mm. heat when you're under anesthesia. And so uh, that is like in the shape of a waffle and circulates warm water through it. Well, it burned me on my hip. So they're mm. looking at this burn on my hip. And then I woke up and because I was on one side, all the junk in that side, gravity pulled it into the good lung. So they had to bronk me, put a camera down there and suck all the garbage out of the good lung. Wow. And uh, yeah, so, but then I was there for about four, four days post-op and then got out. But it was about two and a half months before I was back in the operating room. Two, okay, wow. And and this uh, was kind of leading up to the, the divorce is what you were saying before? That, that event... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've been told that that event kind of just put her mm-hmm. mind into a. What I've learned is that that, that women really love uh, feeling secure. Mm-hmm. Security Stability. is very very important. Stability, Security. And so sure. That scared scared the hell out of her. So mm-hmm. sure that there wasn't this like I'm I'm invincible, right. anymore because I just went down hard, and I, I mean, think that just. Put her over yeah. the edge and then got it. Um, yeah. And then my not my kind of grieving when I'm getting the house ready to sell in the year 2000 mm-hmm. um, just put me kind of into, you know, a depression state. And, mm-hmm. and it's hard to get rid of things. You pack up a house and it's sure. like you're, anything you throw away, you feel like you're throwing a part of your family away. So, um, yeah. So it was just yeah. hard. And that just Sounds led like- to, yeah. Yeah. Does sound like that was a a rough rough patch for sure. Um I'm glad we drilled into that though as far as cuz you know yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. worse than just a few colds. Uh Yeah. Yeah, no, it together. was a lot worse, yeah. Um so but that's, that's lovely strep yeah. bacteria. That's uh that's yeah. some some serious just just health and personal adversity right there and obviously it went in blood into your no no pun intended but into your uh <laughs> relationship you know with your spouse and and um you know that all these things are related but um so if you could have coffee with any historical figure who would you choose oh well for me it'd be jesus but um yeah if i could have a moment of conversation yeah it'd be jesus yep good Good answer. Um, plenty of plenty of good questions we can come up with, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. These are good. 
These are good. Um, so if you were given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? I, um, I'm here to serve and not be served. So my idea of, um, abundance is, um, making money to give away. I'm happy nice. where I am moving to Georgia has reduced my overhead 40% to 40% of what it was. Wow. The house we got is under half of what we paid for in, in <laughs> California. So we are set up beautifully. Um, and I mean, to, to set up operating rooms around the world, I'm going to Uganda, um, in October to, uh, end of September and October to, um, talk with folks to try and set up operating rooms or train, train their people, whatever I can do, um, just be a physician and practice medicine there. They need that. So, so the abundance would be to serve, you know, the homeless is a huge thing right now. That's, that's a bigger problem than I'm able to take care of, but there's people out there working on that. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And what have you learned through either your personal adversity or your career, um, you know, any, any parts of your career, but from a leadership perspective, uh, we've already touched a little bit on this, but what, you know, what, what are one or two lessons you've learned from a leadership standpoint that you could share with the, maybe the CEO or the entrepreneur out there? Um, I think in general, it's just that there's always hope, you know, um, there's going to be trials. Um, you know, I mean, uh, learn to embrace those trials. You know, if it's mm -hmm. a staff member, you've got to fire, um, a colleague mm -hmm. that you have to mm -hmm. let go. Um, you know, be an empath, put yourself in their shoes and, and then, and work with them. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, we've got a couple of generations that like millennials, like a lot of boundaries and, and parameters to work and they work. Um, mm -hmm. they, they're not as, not as motivated, but that's just them. And then Gen X just wants to belong and, or Gen Z, I mean, um, just wants mm -hmm. to belong and, 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 function and do stuff so you know letting them feel that way is key sure so yeah that, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff there for sure um how have you changed your leadership style over over the years has that changed at all yeah i think i think like what i said i i realize there's trials and it's like embrace them take you mm -hmm. know not necessarily joy but just realize that this is a learning experience for me it's mm -hmm. a learning experience for the team. Uh, sure. Just like our kids, they learn more by what we do than what we say. I think I heard you say in a podcast, you know, my kids <laughs> yeah. don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's, so, yeah. They, yeah, they're too so busy watching what you do, right? To, to, to listen to what yeah. you say. <laughs> yeah. So watch what you do and, um, and people will learn, you know, and then uh, it'll get fixed in their seasons seasons of things too so that's a really good point yeah um life definitely has has seasons so your approach needs to adjust and how you your perspective needs to adjust based on the season that you may be in um right. so yeah that's that's important to remember for sure so other than waiting on your your medical license to transfer over it sounds like um what's what is one challenge that you're facing in your in your career or you know um business or you know that type role uh right now 
Yeah, that's a great question because I mean, like, like I said, I was blessed to know at 16 what I will call my first calling, and that was to, to use my hands and my mind to be a trauma surgeon, general surgeon. Uh, and now I'm feeling a pull now to unite people. And again, in the, in the book that I wrote, there's a picture when I'm in Haiti in front of a United Nations helicopter, and my head's blocking out some key letters, but it says, on the far right, you, and the end's been, it's such an old helicopter, gone. And then it says, unite, and then T-I-O-N, which makes it an action, right? So unite, you need to unite people, corporations, countries, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I, so I'm feeling, you know, and again, the book was more of my grandmother, you need to do this to inspire and, and give hope mm-hmm. and make people understand, look, I'm on an artificial pedestal as a trauma surgeon. Um that I bleed too. So, mm. and that, uh, I can help. So anyway, mm. I can get on a stage or in a boardroom or whatever to yeah. teach or, or, or to inspire, to motivate and give hope. Uh, that's my latest calling. Yeah. So that is, so one of my questions, I don't always ask it, but one of them is what occupation other than your own, would you like to try? Um, so you, you kind of, Hinted at that a little bit. Is there anything that comes to mind when I ask that? Uh, you know, my my second oldest son is uh, he, he's an entrepreneur himself. He uh, he, he does some um, cutting boards. So okay, he's got a planer. I, I love working with my hands. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's going to be serving people in some way. You know, either sure. volunteering or or making things for people like cutting boards or you know, something that I feel like I'm serving other people. Yeah. I think that just, I just, uh, finished a book, uh, about, uh, mental health, which is a whole <laughs> huge <laughs> topic in and of itself. But I mean, at the end of the day, this stuff, physical health and mental health is all related. And, and one of the key pieces is, uh, purpose and another key piece is relationships. Right. And so, you're, you've clearly shown that that's you're, you're driven by serving others and um, that that service adds purpose to your life as well. Um, so it's not all about stockpiling as much cash or, you know, you know, ac- right. or many accolades as possible. Um, right. So that's, that's fantastic. I love it. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. Talk, talk about the, your book more, tell us more. It's called saved. Um you said you, your your uh, grandmother inspired you to, yeah. to write it. Tell us yeah. more about so, the book. So, um, it's it's just a, it's a story of my life um, from you know before I was even here, my natural mother and finding that family um, to almost present day. So uh, it talks about and it really begins in a dedication with her and just the miracles that I've seen in my life and some of them are photos that can't be explained and those are in the book there's there's a picture of me in a closet in honduras where the only light source is a window across from me to my left and there's a light coming off of a four drawer metal filing cabinet that can't be explained i'm in the shade but my Mm. face is lit and my my friend jason guzman sitting across from me, taking the photo, handed me the phone and said, look at this, you know, it was black and white, no flash. And uh, I go, do you see what's on this? And I hand the phone back to him and he goes, oh my gosh, 
look at this. And so, and there's another one that same trip, different, different, different camera of light coming off of some skin and the patient's draped with a paper drape and there's this glow over the, in, you know, the, where the incision is going to be. So, um, just those miracles, uh, they're all in this book. So, and then I, it's a miracle that I was never put in jail. So there's a whole chapter on pranks. Actually, there's two on pranks that I pulled in my life. So it, it, it adds a little levity to sure. adversity. So, yeah, we all, we definitely need, need levity in life. Right. Um, yeah. so, and, and I presume we can find it on Amazon. Yeah, just uh, good, click on Amazon, put my name in there, Craig Thayer, uh, T's and Tom, H-A-Y-E-R. I always wonder my dad, why my dad would say that. And then when I started being older and making phone calls, <laughs> oh, fair. No, no, it's not with an F, it's the T. Right. So um, if you just Google my name and put saved in there, it should pull up the book. And then you can order it. I just finished the Audible yesterday. Well, there may be some clips that I have to redo. So that's being edited right now. So which is a challenge because one of the parts that's brief at the very beginning, I also have, didn't realize this until our youngest son was diagnosed with dyslexia. I always knew I had ADHD. So, mm. but um, I, I never thought of, I just knew I read slow. So mm. every single exam, I'd count the number of questions and the time allotted and sweat that more than the exam. And it was <laughs> distracting. And, but I obviously got through those because look at where I am. Because here you are. Yeah. 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 So, so, so you you do the audio uh, yourself? I did. I, I, yep. I Facebooked and I said, should I do one? And then if I do, should it be me? And it was 100%. <laughs> no, that's not true. One of my high school buddies said, no, you should get <laughs> you Coyote to do it. And it, he does have a great voice. But um, you should you should get that uh, with the, the, the priest at the the ceremony that <laughs> get him to do it. No. Yeah. yeah. I'll send him a copy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You didn't steal his job, but you're now. Oh no, uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's funny. That's um, funny. so the audio version is, is going to be out soon. Yeah, it'll be out. It'll be on, you know, it'll be an audible, uh, choice nice. in, um, Amazon. So sounds great. So saved with an exclamation mark at the end. Um, Craig Thayer, um, what have we not covered that, that you wish we had? Uh, I don't know. I always like to, you know, how I can help you. So if there's down the road, I mean, sure. I, I, I volunteer, I've had 14 years of stupid education after high school. <laughs> and so it's like, when I, when I get to interact with people like you, mm -hmm. you know, um, I think you have my phone number from contact stuff, yeah. but there's ever a question you got family friends whatever's going on feel free to call me so i appreciate yeah. it but uh yeah. yeah so fantastic craig thayer um thank you so much for for joining us yeah. it's it's been really good and looking forward to reading your book um and so if the listener out there would like to get a hold of you what's the best way okay so i have a website which is just craigthayer.net um yeah. or you can facebook me i'm Craig Tank there. Uh, originally, it was just Tank there because I was trying to hide. And then my wife <laughs> put my first name in there. And then a lot of people like hated that my other nickname from playing water polo was Tank. So all of the story. But um, yeah, so Craig Tank there uh, in Facebook. And then you can message me uh, anytime. Sounds great. So not Frank the Tank, Craig the Tank. Yeah. Um, Craig the Tank, yeah. <laughs> 
Fantastic. Well, Craig, thank you so much. I really appreciate you spending your your time with us today. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. It's an honor. Appreciate that. And uh, to the listener out there, we appreciate you spending your most valuable resource with us, and that is your time. And don't forget to check out our our new uh, podcast website, adversity2abundance.com. It's the number two, adversity2abundance.com. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.